Next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. Are you getting enough CBD each day? Hemp Meds carries the most trusted CBD oil brands like Real Scientific Hemp Oil and Dixie Botanicals to make it easy to add cannabinoids like CBD to your diet. We hold all our hemp oil products to our rigorous triple lab tested standard to ensure that you and your family receive only the highest quality and most reliable CBD products. Hemp Meds is your trusted source for CBD. Visit hempmeds.com to get our premium CBD oil today. Use discount code CBD20 to get 20% off your first order. And now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the cannabis reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Snowden Bishop and delighted to be here. We make no secret of the fact that we're in favor of regulating marijuana for so many reasons. We expound upon the miracles of medical marijuana and the many virtues of the plant, touting its numerous health benefits and explaining about the way regulation can transform our criminal justice system, improve our economy, and solve a myriad of problems caused by the war on drugs. What we don't talk about very often is the downside of marijuana. Well, mainly because there aren't too many and we'd run out of things to talk about. But to be honest, there are some disadvantages, aside from the fact that it's still federally legal and the political cluster of problems that causes. But there are a number of problems that new patients and even seasoned users must overcome. First of all, the knowledge base. There's a lot of information available with a simple search on Google. But how many people know what to even look for? Nearly everyone knows the difference between hemp and its psychoactive cousin marijuana. Most people know and understand the difference between THC, the psychoactive molecule, and CBD, the wide net of molecules that help children with epilepsy, among other benefits. But how many people even know how many different cannabinoid molecules are available? When you ask a physician which medicine is best for your condition, you'll get an instantaneous answer and a prescription for a pharmaceutical drug. But ask that same doctor which marijuana compound would work best and you'd likely get a blank stare. Even expert social users know all about strains and the difference between flour, wax, and brownies and how to seek a product that works for them. But how many of them could tell you why? Not many people can drill down on which molecule or terpene should be used to relieve a specific health condition. Fewer still know anything about the entourage effect or why that's important. Another problem is this. One man's high is another man's low. Yes, not everyone wants or enjoys the euphoria that social users are looking for. Even seasoned users can overdo it, which is a real problem if they suddenly get called in to cover a shift for a coworker and new patients can find themselves in a stupor if they overconsume an edible. It's a problem for patients who need to work or don't like the psychoactive effects. 
lucky for us, our guests know a lot about these issues, and I'm really excited to introduce them. But first, Dr. Brian Donner has our Medical Marijuana Minute. What do you have for us today, Dr. Donner? Thank you, Snowden. Since medical marijuana is new to my home state of Pennsylvania, I frequently speak with patients who have little or no experience using cannabis. I have found that their lack of knowledge about what to take and how to take it can be a significant barrier. Another barrier is the fear of the psychoactive effect, so I look forward to hearing from your guests today. Dosing can be especially challenging for new patients since the way in which cannabis is metabolized is unique to each individual. It's no wonder that patients feel as though they're navigating in the dark at times. Since federal law restricts cannabis research on a large scale, there is also a serious lack of scientific data that could help provide precise guidelines. By contrast, doctors can rely upon an abundance of pharmacological data combined with the patient's clinical profile and diagnoses in order to arrive at the proper dosing for a prescription medication. Beyond the well-known CBD and THC, there are hundreds of cannabinoids found in the cannabis plant. Each has its own utility and effect pertaining to the way it is received by the endocannabinoid system. There are also hundreds of new breeds of the cannabis plant with a range of cannabinoids, flavonoids, and terpenes that can determine its effectiveness for certain conditions. And effects vary from person to person depending upon the patient's health profile and a number of other factors including delivery method and dosing. It is important to remember Cannabis has no lethal threshold, unlike many synthetic prescription drugs, which can be fatal if taken in the wrong dose or combination. Due to the way the human body naturally metabolizes cannabinoids, medical marijuana in its purest form has limited non-lethal side effects when used appropriately and responsibly. This means that medical cannabis can be safely and effectively used given the appropriate guidance, understanding, and ongoing education. I'm Dr. Brian Donner for the Cannabis Reporter. I'll be back again next week with another edition of the Medical Marijuana Minute. Back to you, Snowden. Thank you, Dr. Donner. Let's get started. I am excited to introduce our guests today. They are a dynamic duo and tour de force in the cannabis industry. First, <laughs> let me introduce Sarara Korva. She's a consultant, caregiver, and cancer survivor who now educates professionals, patients, and industry leaders on the applications of marijuana as therapeutic medicine. While her main focus is educating senior citizens, she regularly teaches courses such as Cannabis 101 and Overcoming Cannabis Stigmas, designed for new patients and their families. She also teaches classes on cannabis as medicine to bud tenders in the dispensaries and other health professionals. As a cancer survivor, she consults cancer patients choosing cannabis to help with their treatment and alleviate the symptoms of chemotherapy. She's also a returning guest here on The Cannabis Reporter. Welcome back, Sarara. Thank you so much, Snowden. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, so happy to have you. And joining you today is James Carberry, a 30-year glaucoma patient, cannabis activist, formulation expert, and educator. He worked for years in the paraphernalia industry and then for compassionate caregivers. In the late 1990s, he helped to open the first legal dispensaries when California's medical marijuana program began, including the first in Southern California called the Yellow House, located in the iconic Hollywood. He later created the concept of medical-style dispensaries to better serve patients and address their medical needs. Since then, he has trained over 350 people to be professional bud tenders and shared his vast knowledge about 
the many formulations and remedies derived from the cannabis plant. As an industry pioneer, he's become known as a legend who's able to shed light on the industry from both sides of the counter. Today, he's CEO of a company called Undo and holds the patent for revolutionary treatment to reverse intense euphoria of marijuana as needed. He's also the host of a sister program produced here at Star Worldwide Networks called Jimmy's Joints. Thank mm -hmm. you for being here. Thank you, Snowden. It's good to be here. Do you like people to refer to you as Jim, James, or Jimmy? Well, I, I kind of like Jimmy. Yeah, I like that too. That's what I call you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it fits him. Yeah, it really does. Oh, it really does. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot to unwrap today because um, even as much as I think I know, and the more I learn, the more I realize I have no clue, and the more I know I need to learn. And if I'm struggling with the amount of knowledge that I have I know that people who are kind of new to this are probably struggling with those issues and then some. Yes, I'm sure. So terminology, lexicon, things that uh, are taken for granted as understood by some, but are well not within people's normal vocabulary or understanding. Right. And there's, there's so much, um, as, as marijuana has hit mainstream media, right? First, there really was no separation between marijuana and hemp when the conversations were um, brought up. Right. But then now that people kind of know that difference, like I said in the opening, you know, there is that big difference between um, CBD and THC. But then you take CBD and all of the other CBs that are out there, cannabinoids, and I bet probably 95% of the American public have absolutely no idea how many there are or what they do. And even people who use marijuana frequently, even before legalization began, they probably have no clue either. So when people come to you and say, oh, I'm thinking about using medical marijuana for my blah, blah, blah condition. And they say, where do I get it? What do I buy? What do you tell them? Well, it's depending on uh, the people's, the person's needs and, um like today's uh, dispensary market is very, uh, very, very um, different than when I first started because the super concentrates and the waxes and the oils, uh, we just had hash oil the old school way uh, where it was uh, the medicine was soaked in alcohol and then they uh, took the alcohol out by evaporating it. Mm -hmm. And what was left was hash oil. And that's, that's the old school way. A but simple now, original. Yeah. It's, it, now they use all kinds of gases and solvents, and it can be quite complex. Yeah, I can imagine. But let's say, you know, I, I mean, is there a, you might know this if you're teaching a class called Marijuana 101, and, you know, you've got your initial introduction to this to a patient who wants to start using marijuana. What's the first thing you would say to that person in terms of how they would identify what it is that they are even looking for. Okay, so I would want to know what they're, what they're hoping to get out of using cannabis. Why did they come to cannabis? What's their frustration? What's their pain? What's their issue? Mm -hmm. And once I understand from their mouth what's going on with them, then I can start to sort through the many variables of where they should go next maybe even which doctor to go to, because there's many 
evaluation doctors, let's say, just in the Phoenix Valley. So by knowing their nature and the nature of these various doctors, mm, I can kind of, kind of guide them in which direction. But following that, then they have the dispensary experience, which can be varied and interesting. Um, well, and intimidating for a new patient as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we ought to have how to go to a dispensary classes. No, I agree. It would be great <laughs> to do tours for patients so that you can go down the counter and say, okay, this is the kind of edible that they have. This is what this means. A hundred milligrams means you only take a little bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that kind of situation that um, most newbies uh, and the oldies that come back to cannabis, they really don't even know how strong the new medicine is. Right. You know, so that's, that's intimidating in itself. Right. So then in consulting somebody on how to take care of their own situation, we would talk about the methods that are available, for instance. So there's smoking. Everybody knows about smoking. And then there's now vaping, which is an alternative to smoking, but is inhalation. So that's a positive thing um, if it's the right vaping device. And there's some things to learn about that. Um, and then there's edibles, and there's topicals, and there's tinctures, which is an extract in a, either a syrup, a glycerin syrup, or alcohol, if you're lucky enough to be able to get that. And so I would coach a person through what their preferences are and what exactly is the situation. And quite often, if they have a sleeping issue, which 90% of people have a sleeping issue, it's helpful to them to eat a small piece of an edible or even more than they might be comfortable with in a waking state mm -hmm. so that they can sleep deep and heavy. <clears throat> and the healing can happen while they're deeply sleeping. Right. So I would, I would coach somebody to do that. But of course, then they would need to get an edible that is suitable for sleeping, not something that's going to energize them. So that would be a discussion with the people at the dispensary about which, <clears throat> which formulations, which cannabinoids, which terpenes, which uh, the components of the, of the profiles of each of the types of things they have are. So presumably the people in the dispensary have enough education to be able to really guide people in an educated way. One would hope. And I mean, butt tending might conjure in images for people of, you know, a Rasta dude behind a counter, yeah, yeah, you know, with the, um, you know, surfer, surfer outfit on. And well, but it, these days, butt tending has become quite sophisticated, hasn't it? That's correct. Um, most, uh, most butt tendings these days are done by not, not the typical stoner kid. Um, so that kind of takes that kind of away. And I think the, the shops understand how important it is because that bud tender will either make or break their experience, the right. patient's experience. If they, they are erroneous in their information or they say, well, this is really strong and don't explain how strong, uh, and then what could happen if you do take too much, um, that's or not enough right See, if yes. you're doing cannabis for medicine and you're having pain let's say and you're gonna have to titrate up which means get enough in your bloodstream to give you the relief and so you might have to do little bits all day right you know in that kind of situation 
the bud tender should be able to say, well, if you're going to do this for daytime, this is a good daytime. This might be better in the evening because some people, some strains actually wake you up. And some strains actually make you sleepy. And even those strains, it's unpredictable how something's going to affect a certain uh, person because everyone, I mean, obviously we all have an endocannabinoid system right. and each of us draw from that system in different ways. And That's so, right. you know, one medicine that, that would have a, a waking effect for one person may not, or they may need more of it to get that same effect. Well, and there's other profiles within a cannabis plant. So there's the terpenes, there's flavonoids, and there's cannabinoids, and many other oids. <laughs> <laughs> and they each have different effects on a person's sensation. So the uh, terpenes that are mm, oh, like linalool, let's see, there's a whole bunch of, limonene is a really uh, anti-anxiety one. Um, linalool is a sleep aid. So, <clears throat> and caryophylline, beta-caryophylline is a sleep aid. And the, the various terpenes do various different things. And so you may know what some of the cannabinoids are, but you, if you don't know what the terpenoids are as well, it is going to produce a different effect. Right. So I, that is, it's, it's, in, it's great to know that as you're, if you look at a chart, like um, you're holding a chart right now that has them listed out. But just for those who aren't aware of the difference between a flavonoid and a, and a terpene, the terpene is, if you think of a aromatherapy, for example. Correct. Essential oils. Yeah. Smell. The smell and um, the impact that that has on you, and a lot of people can relate to, um, to the going and getting an essential oil that's lavender. Yeah, like a or, lemon or a lavender, right, things they, that are uplifting. They understand what that'll do for them. Yes. And then, you know, but okay, so that's the, that's the terpene. Explain right. the, the flavonoid. Well, the flavonoids most especially influence the taste. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm flavor. sure there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, but uh, well, the, that's the interesting part about cannabis medicine. We're learning more and more every single day. So these side chemicals that are in all plants, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, you find terpenes in every plant. When they say lemonine, that's lemon. Right. And, you know, it, and, you know, it goes on from there because all plants are related. Mm -hmm. So th that's the best thing to understand. Now, if I would talk to a patient, I would say, if you have to pick out a medicine that you think would help you the best, smell it. Smell it. If it smells good to you, that means it will help you. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't smell good to you, then don't use it because it mm -hmm. usually will not help you. Isn't that interesting, too? And yeah. it's... It, it's akin to homeopathic medicine where, where, you know, a practitioner will have you hold a medicine close to your solar plexus or, you know, close to your heart. And if see it, how it resonates and see how you feel and it might make you feel weak or dizzy or tired and which case it's not right for you. And if it makes you feel good or if you don't lose any muscle strength from it, 
you know, it's, it's really interesting, and people the don't identify it. The science of applied kinesiology is what you were just speaking about. Yes, okay. Yes. So Mus that has the, that has, yeah, and yeah. it has the name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it is actually yeah. a science. Yes. Right. And going back yes. to the uniqueness of everyone, a, a strain that might make me relax might make you anxious. Mm -hmm. uh, it, that's how different it is for each one of us. And so with patients, they should try to f uh, do little bits of different kinds until they find something that really suits them well. Right, right. I have something to add also, and I, this is on behalf of the dispensaries in Arizona. In Arizona, they don't call them bud tenders. They're patient consultants and, and patient advocates and customer relations and things like that. It's definitely, they definitely don't like that other term. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I've heard that too. Yeah. I've yes. heard that too. And um, yeah, and it, it actually does put, like I said, you know, the word bud tender conjures this right. image of, you know, hey dude, right. buds. Yes. Right, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I can, I can see how that helps. And I think, you know. It's a respect thing in a way. It is a well, respect also thing. Also, I think it must, like today with the way that all the cannabis science is coming up, they should be cannabis technicians because they really should be able to explain all the products and how to use them correctly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And as, as courses develop, then they can become experts at different levels, a specialist A, B, C, or one, two, three, or something. There's a lot of uh, research going on. There's a lot of really smart people that are putting together standards, focused standards, so people Focus being one of the organizations exactly. doing that. <laughs> exactly. No pun intended. But yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. And that's very important. And so as that comes together, once there's some agreement uh, throughout the industry of whose program is better yeah. <laughs> and who's going to come out on top of it, then there will be that sort of, I would say, certifications to become a, a good patient service caregiver. Or something. Yeah. When we interviewed the founder of Focus, um, Leslie. Leslie, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, several months ago, and, and James devoted an entire, yeah, James Moser um, devoted an entire show to that issue, and then followed up with, you know, other individuals who are contributing different aspects of the standardization and it really is it is one of the things that um, I believe is going to help with the nationwide perception particularly from the government and I just ugh, I'm I'm it, it it never ceases to amaze me how a rule that was founded on a fabrication on a lie yes. essentially ha, um, yeah. has been protected by the powers that be, I mean, it's, it is one of the greatest lies of all time. Yes. And, you know, and the lie that I'm speaking of is, is calling cannabis um, an unworthy medicine or to say that it has no medical benefits. And, you know, recently our attorney general um, made a plea to reinvigorate the, the war on drugs and particularly the war on marijuana in states that have regulated. And if this were to happen, I'd say a year from now, he'd be laughed out of Congress. But we're still in that sort of delicate place right now where, where people are afraid to advocate for it for fear of losing public favor. And, you know, and I think that the more that we as industry members can add credibility and respect 
to the industry, the faster it's going to turn the tide of that protectionism that's going on in Washington. Well, I was hoping that the con one of the congressmen would have asked uh, Sessions that was he aware that the U.S. government holds patents yeah. on the medical <laughs> use of cannabis? Yeah. I mean, that's... You and know. that's also something that they've desperately tried to sequester. It's a truth they've desperately tried to uh, sequester for years and years and years. And I actually put that in the article that I wrote. I, I posted it last night. Um, it, it, it's amazing to me. Uh, there's an organization called Americans for Safe Access, known as ASA, ASA, Americans for Safe Access. Mm -hmm. They've been working for 20 years diligently moving the laws forward, unabashedly, unashamedly, advocacy. Yeah. And anybody who wants to get involved in helping move this forward, ASA is the leader, real leader of the pack, I would say. So find a chapter in your state. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they are doing important work. And there, there are a number of organizations out there that are um, really following suit yes. and trying to get the word out. ASA would be safeaccessnow.org, I believe. Safe Access Now. Good. I'll put that on our website, yes. too, yes. so it's, that people have it. And so they're not just an advocacy organization. They've been helping patients to have safe medicine for 20 years since the founder herself became a patient. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing how becoming a patient can change the perspective, and I know Ooh, that's something yeah. that you know a lot about because uh, you're a cancer survivor. Yes. And you medicated with cannabis. Absolutely. And I continue to do so yeah. because of all of the many benefits. Right. And when I don't medicate enough, Jimmy brings some uh, vape over to me and says, here, honey, you need this. Yeah. <laughs> so it evidently helps my personality. <laughs> <laughs> Makes hey, me a kinder, gentler woman. <laughs> she becomes a green goddess. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. You know, I I think that um, I think that cannabis makes a kinder and gentler world as well. Yes. You know, I'm I'm a big believer in that. And uh, strangely, I've never been a user um, socially at all ever. And um, you know, grew up thinking, oh, it's you know, just say no. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like so many of us. Uh, grew up and you know now I couldn't be a bigger advocate and I still don't use it socially but I believe in it so strongly and it, it again you go back to the policy and you know to say that it causes violence and it causes this and that and I, I keep thinking to myself you know um, we would never have any wars whatsoever if every single person on the planet had cannabis in their life for sure. That's, you just hit the nail on the head on why cannabis has been in prohibition for 80 years. Yeah, one of the which, greatest Which reasons. government would, would want that? <laughs> that their civil, also, civilians would be peaceful and... Cannabis also supports empathy between people. So you have a connection because you're uh, touching someone's uh, at a different level. Mm -hmm. And so it, all the walls generally come down. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it makes a stronger connection. That's what I believe. Well, and medicating with cannabis has a direct impact on stress level. And stress level is one of those things that puts a barrier 
a, a glass wall around people, you know, makes it difficult to relate and focus and yes, all of those things. But and it's easier to get out of your head. When that's one of the greatest benefits of cannabis intellectually and spiritually is you get outside of yourself. You get outside of your head. You see others' point of view much more easily. You can see your own ridiculousness much more quickly. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes it easier to let go of, of anger, rage, hostility. That's why we're not violent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we and just also see things And also they're finding, too, that, I mean, especially like in the veteran population, it's helping so much with PTSD and not only with with just the the depression and all of that but it can also help with overcoming addiction and and um reversing that that awful feeling of suicide and in our culture we're not taught to forget we really are truly not and with cannabis that's the best thing about it because it kind of makes a distance between those severe memories and your being of today. And so that's the really how it works for PTSD and any kind of trauma, because what it does is it kind of detaches you from that trauma and you're actually... So if, you can be present. Correct, correct. And that's the most important thing that most people should be is present because mm -hmm. then they won't have anxiety or they won't have memories that are increasing their anxiety. Mm -hmm. So if you're here in the now, which cannabis really does help you do that, and you sort of forget what's going on. Right, right. so you can de-escalate yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know a couple of doctors that um, wrote papers about PTSD and cannabis use. And um, the papers were really, that's what they said, it's, it, it, um, sands down the sharp edges of your memory and you're able to sort of forget some things or be distracted enough where you can be in the now and can get on with your life. Now that's, uh, you bring up an interesting point and, um, and that's a really positive effect for people who really need that. But it also happens to be labeled as one of the um, deleterious side effects of cannabis, the forgetfulness or, <laughs> and you hear in government descriptions how it harms children of developmental age and that sort of thing. So from, from a biological standpoint, and, and when you're looking at, at the impact of these medicines to help with those issues, how, how do you explain to people who say, yeah, see, I told you so, it impacts your memory. How, how, can we, how can we take that argument and make people understand that that aspect of it is actually a very positive aspect? Well, that's true, but see, but the stigma comes with the culture. Mm -hmm. See, the Cheech and Chong kind of uh, effect. That's what I call it, the Cheech and Chong effect. <laughs> I have nothing, you know, against that kind of um, characterization, because right. that's what it is. It doesn't relate to real, true life. But if someone is using that as a stigma against someone else who's trying to recover or um, 
help themselves in one way or another. Forget the forget right. the horrors Correct. of war, for example. Then that should be. I mean, some of the strains, uh, for me, I'm right on it. It makes me crystal clear focus, and some of them it d- diffuses that. And uh, where I, uh, I'll, I'll just chill. I don't want to. I don't want to focus. Right. See, so the you know to put it all in one bag kind of deal, <laughs> it, it doesn't really work out in reality. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, you know, for children of developmental ages who are um, frequent users, mostly they're using illicit marijuana if they are because regulation means you can't buy it unless you're, you know, 21 years of age in most states. And, well, have, and have a medical reason, uh, right. except for the legal states, right? Right. right. Well, and... Um, I think as far as uh, young people using it, I don't think it's a good idea, okay? But our culture is pushing it on them. Our, our especially hip-hop, et cetera, it, it, they don't make it for just adults. It's for the whole broad spectrum. And I think that's a, that really increases the stigma in a lot of ways. Um, as far as, like, Children using it for medicine, I don't think there should be any yes. stigma involved. Absolutely. Pure science should be totally listened to and followed. Not any politician or anybody else saying, oh, I don't want my kid high. That's ridiculous. Do you want your kid to live? Right. There's, there, uh, opioids get people really high, <laughs> and they don't restrict those much. And they kill people. Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the millions. Right. 1.27 million were hospitalized this in year? 2014. Alone. 2014. Yeah, in, yeah, alone. That's yeah. just one year. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, and uh, Dr. Donner, who's, you know, who's on at the beginning of the show, he, he will tell you time and again, he's an ER physician, and he cannot go through a single shift in one hospital, mind you. He cannot go through a single shift without someone being brought in because of an opiate overdose. And these are legally prescribed opiates. Well, uh, two, you know, two point, what? 1.27. 1.2 million people. That's a lot of people every day. Yeah, um, and yeah right. <clears throat> okay, and now how many uh, are prescribed? You know, mm-hmm. um, I think I read it was um, 18, um, 100... 180,000 people were prescribed um, on opioids that went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, some of them were from benzos, benzapines. Benzodiazepines, uh, d- yeah, yeah. exactly. They're terrible. And then people are giving them both at the same time, which is very dangerous. Yeah. And all the time. And yeah. so uh, it's our um, pharmaceutical narcotic uh, culture. Mm-hmm culture uh, Mm -hmm. is stronger than the cannabis culture. Right, and yet, you know, those are acceptable drugs that kill people, (laughs) I should say. But, I mean, we're sort of straying from the topic, but at at the same time, this is an important aspect of it because I think for people to really understand the benefits of different forms of cannabis for healing, they also need to understand the stigmas attached to it so that there's no fear involved when they do choose to medicate with cannabis. Yes, people need to make a conscious determination 
-hmm. that it's something they want to do and they believe in. And, and they they're going to give it safe. a try. And they need, yes, they just need to be able to feel safe and give it a try. Right. And well, try delicately, slowly, get good guidance, good help, and do it in an intelligent way. Mm -hmm. My experience is, uh, you know, I've been a patient for 30 years. Uh, when I was Glaucoma. Yes. When yeah. I was diagnosed, uh, they gave me drops, and I almost died from those drops. First time use. I was in anaphylactic shock. <gasps> So um, I went to doctors. I did the whole um, conventional. Know, medical, conventional, conventional glaucoma um, doctors. And I even went to the university down in Tucson and let doctors, knew, you know, before their doctors coming in, interns, right. look in my eyes. Um, the problem was, I would say, um, I'm allergic. And they would say, well, there's nothing we can do for you. And I did not, I went and did the research, and I found that Robert Randall, who was the first cannabis patient in the United States. Legal cannabis. Legal. And I met him, and I talked to him, and that changed my life. Because I decided then that I can't, I, I don't want to shorten my lifespan by putting drops in my eyes that will, A, one, kill me, and B, make me go blind anyway. Right. Because, you know, very few people keep their vision when they use those uh, drugs. When did, what year was that that you met him? Oh, gosh. It has to be, um, it was the first San Francisco normal convention. I was on, I was lucky enough to in be on In the 80s? A, yeah, it was in the 80s yeah. for sure. Um, probably 82 maybe, 83. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was lucky enough to be a patient on the panel with them. So it was really special to me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's fantastic. And what most people don't know is that the United States government actually oh. made cannabis legal as a medicine to treat specifically glaucoma back in the 19... It was 1973, yes, actually. Yes, yeah, 73, in the 73, right into 74, and that's when they enacted it. And most of the records, um, when George H.W. Bush took office, most of the records of those patients were destroyed. Absolutely. And which is quite a shame because that's data that mm -hmm. could be used today. To prove what we're to proving prove the point. over and over again anyway. Right. So, uh, you know, and of course the, the fabricated lie was you know, made even more prominent during that era, you know, the just say no era. Absolutely. But it really is a shame because glaucoma um, patients, most glaucoma patients aren't even aware of that program and they're not even aware that cannabis could actually save their eyesight, if not their life. Correct. Absolutely. And, and the eye doctors are not interested. Well... <laughs> Well, they, they would say, oh, you're going to have to be high all day long. Well, and it's I'd, not worth it. I'd rather be That's high all day long than to be blind all day long. Right. I mean, it, what's, uh, that's a ridiculous analogy. It's like, I'm not, um, actually, after a while, I don't get high anymore. I had to, I went well, like anything, like alcohol right. or even opiates, after you, you build a tolerance to a certain chemical and your body adjusts so that you can function with a certain amount. Correct. 
There's that, and there's also the fact that when cannabis is used for some sort of healing, the body and the cannabis know where to go. Yeah. And so there's not a lot of psychoactivity running around just trying to trying to make him That's high. That's a really interesting point because um, I remember um, having a very serious neck injury and being at the hospital and being given oxycodone. And I'm like, I don't know why people go after this socially. It didn't make me high at all and it barely did a dent in the pain. And so, yes, I can understand that. Yeah, the body and the medicine know where to find each other. It's not about getting high. The human body is really an intelligent thing, isn't it? It's not brilliant. (laughs) We're we're made with the endocannabinoid system, so we need the cannabis from outside sources. Yeah, that's that's true. So, Jimmy just uh, found an article the other day about uh, cannabis reversing Alzheimer's. Amazing. Yeah. They're doing great, great research. And it's not the first we've heard of that. Yeah. It's, uh, but there was, wasn't it like a Harvard study or something? Yeah, from Harvard. They just, they yeah, had, I, uh, I tum- actually, the tumor. Yeah. Yeah, I have, I have um, an article on Alzheimer's. Uh, actually, it's a study that I put up on the website and also one on Parkinson's. And in oh, fact, excellent. a lot of the diseases that afflict um, uh, older populations can be. And, and Sarara, last time you were on the show, I was struggling with the issue of my father who had been given benzodiazepines and antipsychotics to cure something that uh, benzos and, and you know, antipsychotics actually cause. Yes. <laughs> yes. Aside yes. from the holes in the brain that it causes, the, the chemical lobotomies. But, you know, Oof. it's, it's right. truly amazing. And cannabis uh, turned that around entirely since then. And so... For a lot of the, the drugs that are used to treat these neurological problems, they actually co- exacerbate the neurological problems yes. and create a dependency because it exacerbates them. When you come off of them, your symptoms are worse, and then you mm-hmm. have to continue taking them even though they're making you sick. It's and a very bad cycle. Vicious. <laughs> yes. well, and also some of those medications, once you take them, it's very, very, very hard to get off of them. Mm-hmm. And if you're ill and you have other situations and you can't just stop the thing that's making you sick, that's a big issue. Right. It's terrible. But thank goodness cannabis, you can do as much as you can and it won't hurt you that way. Right. Well, what the scientists are discovering is that many, many disease profiles stem from endocannabinoid deficiency. system deficiency mm-hmm. exactly exactly and starting to study that up yeah and i wrote that in the article i put up last night too it's it, it every single day you know we're learning so much yes it's only a matter of time before the the u.s government's going to have to realize that the american people aren't stupid and and we're not going to let it go and we're not going to let it go because oh, the no. cat is out <laughs> of the bag that's right yeah, and it, it's amazing to me that it was allowed to, the, even, even unbeknownst to the American Medical Association, when they found out that cannabis actually passed that anti-marijuana law, even for medical purposes, in 1942. Did you Anslinger, see how they spell it, too, with an H? Yeah, marijuana. <laughs> well, it was, it was definitely a racial you know, problem that, that they were trying to address, or what they called a problem, you yeah. know. But the AMA has petitioned multiple times to the DEA 
um, to get them to reschedule because clearly it has medical use. And the DEA just keeps ignoring it. And well, again, they one the time fire the judge that just determined that it actually needed to come off the schedule. Yeah, in 1988. Mm -hmm. And um, his name was Roger... Hmm, Lowen. Lo yeah. yeah. He, Cohen. Roger Cohen. Cohen. Yeah, um, he, yeah, he petitioned. Yeah. He was the DEA yeah. uh, head judge yeah. at that time. And he petitioned. And the DEA said no. Yeah. Hello? <laughs> After his investigation. After his investigation, yeah. But, yes. So, I mean, but, but think about it. Um, if your main objective of your job is to um, wage a war on marijuana, yep. and you would be out of a job if you weren't waging war on marijuana, would you want to reschedule And your whole it? <laughs> agency would be... And your whole agency would be obsolete. Useless, yes, yeah. other than really fighting crime. <laughs> I know. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, go figure. Doing. But this is, this is the political... Oh, it's a nightmare. Anyway, so we digress. I want to get back to this topic because it is so very important. And I'm going to ask a couple of questions here because... Um, cannabinoids are vast. Yes. And they are in food like chocolate. Yes. And echinacea and golden seal. Black truffles. Black truffles. Any truffles. Any truffle oil. Correct. Um, hops. Right? Hops. Yep. Yes. Um, so the DEA added, uh, didn't add really. What they did was they separated the numerical code for, TA, uh, for cannabis, which is the big umbrella Schedule One substance. Mm -hmm. they, they separated out and gave its own numerical classification the um, cannabinoid cannabidiol. 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 Um, potato, potato, yeah, yeah. cannabidiol. Yeah. Anyway, thank yeah. you for correcting me. You're welcome. But, but okay, so they, they separated it out and gave it its own numerical code. So now, um, CBD. Yes. Of course, they didn't identify which one. You know, you well, know, CBD which, is CBD. CBD is CBD, but there are also different profiles to CBD, depending on A, where they come from, B, how they're extracted, they can either be a single um, cannabinoid or they can be a combination of several cannabinoids. But the DEA did not distinguish. They just said CBD. Okay. So what I find really interesting about that is that if that has its own numerical code, you can take a CBD from a bar of chocolate. And that is technically now a Schedule One substance. That is correct. Okay, so every time I eat chocolate, I'm breaking federal law. Well, sort of. Uh, <laughs> if, if they say the CBD was added to it now. See, that where, you know, it's interesting that you can get natural hemp seed oil. It's, it's a, you can go to Sprouts, Sprouts. and that kind of, the, right. uh, kind of store to get it. And that has CBD in it. Right. Well, so does but chocolate. They, right. But they can, uh, because if it's a food, if it's food, it's different. If you're using it for something else other than food, like getting better, uh -huh. pain relief or medicine, Ointments. that's right. where they'll go after. Okay, so um, THC, the molecule which is Schedule 3, is um, Schedule 3 because 
uh, Marinol filed to the oh, DEA, yeah, right. a big pharma company, um, made their their uh, flagship medicine, Marinol, yep. um, duplicating the THC molecule. Right. So now, does that mean that can you know if you extract THC from cannabis that and use it specifically for medical use that it's no longer a do you see the yeah, <laughs> it's the ridiculousness all goes into the yeah. carrier that's all it is yeah. yeah but but CBD is not identified in the in the separation the class separate the numerical class separation it's not identified as CBD specifically from the cannabis plant it's just CBD, CBD. all so, CBD Anyway, okay, that was, that was a sidebar. But uh, now I'm going to try to get back to the topic again because I'm, I'm so interested in all of these different cannabinoids. THC we've been talking about. Um, CBD we've been talking about. And, and the, the advantages of each of those are just um, phenomenal. But you also have CBN, which is cannabinol. Or cannabinol, 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 cannabinol yes. tomato, tomato. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cannabinol, yeah. <laughs> you have THCA, which is a non-psychoactive, That's acidic an one. fermentation mm -hmm. of THC. Well, what it is is it's the raw juice from the plant. It's the raw. It needs to lose a oxygen a OH. So it's decarboxylated. It, very correct? good. Very okay. THCA is not decarboxylated. Oh, it's not decarboxylated. Yeah, okay, so yeah. it, it maintains its raw natural form without um, right. having the psychoactive any psychoactive, any psychoactive impact whatsoever. You could eat a whole raw pot plant and not get high. The whole plant. So because it only becomes psychoactive when you decarboxylate it in right. an oven or... Or dries and or time. Ex yeah, yeah. Or, or cook the oil to a certain temperature mm -hmm. yes. to extract it. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's okay. about heat. Very interesting. Um, and and um, I'm looking at a chart that you guys produced, um, and it says that THCA, the non-psychoactive, slows inflammation. It helps control cancer cell growth. Um, and it suppresses muscle spasms and convulsions, so it's good for people who have, for instance, multiple sclerosis yep. or Parkinson's. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Then you have THCV, tetrahydrocannabivarin. Tetrahydrocannabivarin. Try to say that 10 times fast. No. You'll never say it. Okay. And, and that is actually... Um, ooh, it's it an helps. appetite suppressant. Yes. It controls obesity, and it's good for type 2 di diabetes. Yes. Okay, where do I get it? Well, there are strains that are higher in it than other strains. So, for instance, there's something called Durban Poison. Great name. It's a strain. It, it's a strain name. It's not poisonous. Okay, not at so, all. So is this, is this <laughs> molecule psychoactive then? Is this a decarboxylated Absolutely. molecule? Yes, it is. Okay. But it's, it's interesting. I mean, who knew that cannabis could help control obesity? That's right. Okay. So if you get the right strain, you're not going to get the munchies. Yeah, that's, that's how individualistic it really gets because we're like a fingerprint. Right. So, something that gives me the munchies won't give you the munchies. That's the interesting part about it. But so, for the most part, yeah. the THCV will cause the opposite effect of what you would think of. It will, uh, because it's working on... Blood sugar. That's why it's talking about diabetes and yeah. not feeling hungry. 
It helps your body regulate your blood sugar. Okay. In a non-insulin way. Right. Okay. This is all really good information. So then we also have um, CBG. That tends to help. Uh, in Israel, they call it bone remodeling. Wow. Wow, right. It's a very, it's a precursor. And remember, all, the, all that you're speaking, there's science to back all of it. That's the best thing about well, it. Well, nobody just came up and made you know, exactly. an alphabet of, of cannabis drugs with no reason. Right, right exactly. So, but this is really interesting because um, I imagine for people who are elderly, suffering from bone loss, yes. that this would be a very good supplement for them. Very good. And if they've broken something. And even for a younger person, my very good friend was a patient services manager at one of the dispensaries here. She broke her foot, and she used a strain high in CBG while she was healing to help her bone in her foot heal faster. Okay, so now these medicinal cannabinoids. Yes. Not all of these can be found in hemp, which you can buy online and have it shipped across state line to your front door, even if you're in a state that doesn't legalize. That's correct. That is really quite a shame. Even THCA. Correct. Correct. That is very, very sad. So you think about the millions of people who could actually be helped. Mm -hmm. if, and also, not all of these are available in every state that legalized. That's, That's correct, right. too. So someone in... California may have developed a strain that was high in CBG and let's say um, THCV. Right. Uh -huh. to both of those. That's one, right. One when profile that's profile. strong. In, in and, both and someone in New York has, um, suffers from diabetes and um, osteoporosis, but they can't get the drug unless they go to California and they can't get it there if they're not a California resident. Correct. It's, just, it's so sad. It's so sad because we have all this information that we can help, especially senior citizens, and we're holding it back. Yes. How many people would be saved? I think the Medicare, um, the amount that Medicare goes down that people use when they are cannabis patients is amazing because they start really healing themselves right. instead of maintaining the whatever illness the they illness have. Or state. declining because their Correct. drugs have so many terrible side yes. effects. Correct. You know, it's yeah, so it's a real human rights issue. It is a human rights issue. It's not, I mean, it's a social issue on so many levels. Race, um, you know, dignity. Yes. Plus, um, the end of life and cannabis, it, it goes hand in hand. I mean, you know, hospice and cannabis, they should be having gummy bears all day long, yes. right. as much as they yes. want. I think that's, that's the only, that's the kindest thing we could do. Well, and, and it, it's ironic that you say end of life cannabis should be, you know, available to everybody because often the end of life comes as a result of poisoning ourselves with drugs yes. and chemotherapy and you know, things don't work or whatever, and so there's the end of life. But yet once they start medicating with cannabis, chances are they at least have a shot of coming out of hospice and going home a healthy individual. That's correct. correct. This is a conundrum on so many levels. It's, and, and I think that this is what 
makes me wake up in the morning and keeps me up at night too. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, right. it's just phenomenal. And I know we're starting to run out of time and I could talk about this all day with you, but one quick thing that I want to touch on because a lot of people don't really understand it. Um, and I think you mentioned it briefly, but the entourage effect. Tell me in a nutshell why that's important. The entourage effect refers to the cannabinoid, terpene, flavonoid profiles all working together. So it's about all the different profiles, all the different molecules, all the chemistry of cannabis working together to create specific effects. Right. So while you talked about earlier CBG and THCV in a strain, that's kind of the entourage effect right there where you've got cannabinoids that are working together to help with, a, with some very specific healing. Yeah. So Biochemical switches. That's what it is. And it, every part of your body has that kind of effect. So all your cells are really... Uh, relating by each other by the endocannabinoid system and that, those chemicals. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, and those things, I mean, cannabis should be its own, like, and it is really, its own science for medical training. And I, I mm -hmm. would yeah. hazard a guess that in order for a doctor to understand the benefits the way that they do when they graduate after eight years of medical school and a four-year internship, that they still would only be scratching the surface of how cannabis is necessary and important to human life. It's a fundamental part of the teaching. It should be taught in the first semester yeah. of and, medical school and, yet, and build upon it. Uh, and yet, like 300 schools that were surveyed, medical schools that were surveyed, um, only 15% of them even said the word cannabis in a single course. Yes. There are two schools in the Northeast that are, that are teaching about the endocannabinoid system, now medical schools. Which ones are they so people know? I will have to get back with you on okay. that. Okay. I'll sorry. put it on the website. We'll <laughs> yes, do an article perfect. about that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, thank you to both of you for being here. This has been an enlightening conversation and... Um, we need to do it again because there's so much, we didn't even sure. scratch no the problem. surface, you know, and, um, are you going to start up your show again, Jimmy? I'm not sure. Uh, we're going to be on hiatus for probably a month, maybe two. Okay. And we're doing we'll a lot back. of traveling yeah. and trying to, and, mm -hmm. and also real quick, um, I, I want to give you a little plug too, because you have a company called undo. And one of the things I mentioned in my opening is that, um, one of the, deleterious side effects for some is the euphoria and they don't want to deal with it. So tell me what Undo does um, in the 15 second version. Well, it's actually, it's an all natural emergency supplement that's designed to help bring you down from an uncomfortable high. So if somebody's had too much of an edible and they're not feeling right and they need to scale it back, that's what Undo is for. And it just brings you down to normal so people can drive and work and do those things? Yes. It brings it, you the clarity without the pain. Yeah, if you're doing cannabis for pain loss, you still have the, the pain is effective. So it doesn't make the medicine it, ineffective. Right. It basically just takes the euphoria out of the equation. It clears your head. Wow. Okay. Yes. I'm going to put information about that on the website, too. And, um, and in fact, I'll... I'll um, 
I'll, I'll put a lot of things on the website based on today's <laughs> discussion. So anyway, it is time to say goodbye. And I'd like to personally say thank you to my guests, Sarah Corva and James Carberry, also known as Jimmy. Thank you both so much. Thank, thank you, Snowden. Like I said, if you want to learn more about them or how to find Undo, please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com and click broadcast to find today's episode. Once you're there, you'll find their bios along with information and a link to their website. And you'll be thanking us for that. <laughs> um, I'd also like to express our gratitude to our radio sponsors, Hemp Meds and Health Terra. We could not be doing this without you. Thanks to Dr. Brian Donner for our Medical Marijuana Minute update. He'll be back again next week with another edition. And many thanks to our engineers and the production team here at Star Worldwide Networks for making us shine. And to our program director, Steve at XRQK Radio Network for shipping our light out on stations everywhere. I'd also like to thank Eric Goodall, the composer of our theme song, Evergreen. And last but not least, thanks to all of you for listening around the nation. Tune in again next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and until we meet again, be safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Evergreen is calling, evergreen is always You're busy running around from work to kids to evening events. Healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with Helterra for only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids. By the way, you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24/7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. Helterra.com.